This is the complete story entitled The Candy Bar Curse, written by Aaron Robbins. This encounter is part of our seasonal message series archived under the heading Mr. Eerie's Trick or Treat Theories. This special episode is intended for daring ears aged nine and older, on a scale where one is not scary at all. The kids' scare score for this episode is a two out of ten. Learn more about this show by visiting MrEerie'sMysterySeries.com and please share these scares with all the souls you know. A little word of mouth helps prevent an independent podcast from heading south. Delve deeper into the world of Mr. Eerie's disturbing detective agency by subscribing and becoming an Eerie enlistee. Subscribers will receive at least two exclusive training episodes a month, taken directly from the hard-to-keep-on-shelves field guide entitled Mr. Eerie's Empty Book of Everything. Your career at the disturbing detective agency awaits. Accept the challenge today by subscribing as an Eerie enlistee in the Apple Podcasting app. Next week, as part of our fall festivities, a special Behind the Eerie episode will be aired, featuring listener questions about this show and Halloween recollections from Mr. Eerie writer and creator Aaron Robbins. To submit a question for Mr. Robbins to answer, simply email ask at mrerysmysteryseries.com or check this show's description for the link. Thank you. Welcome to Mr. Eerie's Trick or Treat Theories. My name is Edward Eerie, Chief Uncoverneer at Mr. Eerie's Disturbing Detective Agency. If you're experiencing something odd or unusual, give my agency a ring and leave a message on the machine. For those skeptical of our ability to handle the terrors of trick or treat, the perplexing nature of pumpkins or the haunting of hay bales, please listen to the following client message. It speaks to our proficiency in managing the mysterious. Please note, our answering machine alters both the age and tone of the caller's voice in case a mimic machine or grim personator is listening. And now, another mysterious message left on my machine. Thank you for calling Mr. Eerie's disturbing detective agency. We regret to inform you that our annual Halloween event entitled Frankenfind, where attendees play hide-and-seek with a real reanimated Frankenstein's monster, is now sold out. On the bright side, our English tea and storytelling hour, Toast with a Ghost, still has several cups available. For tickets, please dial extension 19. All other callers should leave a message with a detailed account of your odd or unusual occurrence. Now prepare yourself for the beep waits for no one. Hey there, Mr. Erie, or whoever is listening. This is Milo Fuller. I think you were expecting this call. You've probably heard what happened. Seems like word gets around with you eerie investigator types. The same is true in middle school. If you do something good, a few kids may hear about it. But if you do something bad, everyone will know before the next bell rings. And, well, I did something, and it wasn't good. I don't know why you can't just read this report for yourself. I'm sure you've got mail or delivery owls, 
but after all that's happened, I'm sticking to the rules from now on. The people, or agents, or whatever, told me to press some numbers on the phone's keypad to mask my voice, so I'm going to do that now, and then I'll just read the report as it was given to me. I sure hope you can help because I think I really messed up. Okay, here it goes. I sure hope this makes me sound tough. Check, 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 testing. Okay, sounds like it's working, so here we go. On Halloween morning, Milo Fuller sat in Miss Grierson's seventh grade language arts class. A movie played on an old television strapped to a double-decker media cart. Milo was barely watching the movie because his mind was preoccupied with a problem. What to dress as for Halloween? It had to be good, something memorable, and something that wasn't a pirate. No, Milo thought. I'll never go as a pirate again. Stupid bag snatchers. You're a pirate, they said. You probably stole all this candy and now we're going to steal it back. That's what the bag snatchers had said last year, before grabbing Milo's hard-earned candy and running off with it. Come on, Milo, think. What's a cool costume that's tough and easy to run in? Milo thought, but nothing came to him. Maybe I'll just go as a middle schooler, he thought. I already have the costume for that. He chuckled to himself and quickly discarded the idea. Middle schoolers, after all, aren't exactly tough-looking, and... Milo figured people might not give him candy if he wasn't wearing a real costume. Hmm, what could I go as? Milo asked himself. Just then, Miss Grierson's class groaned in disgust at something. Milo looked up and saw that the in-class movie had reached some conclusion the other students found gross. I told you they couldn't keep me locked up, said a character on screen. They haven't built a prison yet that can hold me. The character saying the lines was a tall man with slick black hair and a thin nose kinked in the middle. He was wearing a standard movie-style prison outfit that looked to be covered in mud or something worse. The movie was black and white, so it was hard to tell. Oh, that's gross, said Arnie Wilbur, looking back at Milo. I'd never wade through that just to get out of jail. Not in a million years. Yeah, gross, said Milo, even though he hadn't seen the scene. Arnie continued. You've got to be tough, he said. Like, mentally tough and nostrally tough to escape prison. Milo looked at the actor's outfit and posture. Arnie made a good point, he thought. One did need a certain level of toughness to break out of something. He also thought the actor's outfit looked easy enough to replicate. He had something similar in his closet or in the garage, didn't he? My coveralls, Milo exclaimed. They're perfect. Several months ago, Milo's dad had bought him a grey mechanic's coveralls so they could work on repairing a motorbike together. Milo wore it twice before deciding he wasn't good at fixing things. It's perfect, Milo thought. Finally, I can put those coveralls to good use without having to waste a whole Saturday with a wrench in my hand. As the movie played on, Milo drew some notes on how to transform his coveralls into a tough-looking prisoner costume. When his drawings were done, he leaned back in his desk chair the same way he did when he finished a test early. He cracked his knuckles and then placed his arms behind his head. This is going to be good, he said. I'm going to get so much candy. Maybe too much. Milo laughed at the thought. Considering he'd gotten his candy snatched last year, having too much candy would be a welcome problem. At lunch, Milo entered the cafeteria and began searching for his friends. 
Seated in the corner at a fold-down table near the vending machines, Milo spotted them. Davis Pepper, tall for his age with perpetually uncombed blonde hair, sitting next to Rahul Bandy, whose hair had so much gel in it that Milo thought it would serve equally well as a dirt bike helmet. The two were talking and they didn't look happy. As Milo approached the two, he decided to head off any tension with a guessing game. Guess what, said Milo as he plopped his backpack down on the table. Davis's eyes met Milo's. You flunked out of seventh grade and you have to go to a special school for people who don't follow through? Davis asked. No, said Milo, wondering why Davis's answer was so specific. What do you mean I don't follow through? Rahul shifted his seat toward Milo. You were supposed to meet us this morning before school, remember? To make sure our costumes were good to go for tonight? The statements met Milo like a package being dropped off at the wrong address. What are they talking about, he thought. He searched his brain for a minute and then it came to him. That's right. They'd all had some conversation about Halloween last week. They'd laughed about dressing up as what Davis called the Three Husketeers, a trio of giant sword-wielding corn cobs. Were we serious about that? asked Milo. I thought it was more like a joke. Rahul and Davis unzipped their backpacks and pulled them open. Milo could see yellow-padded corncob costumes inside them, and some green husk-looking material made out of the stuff bicycle racers wear. We were totally serious. Now we're just the two husketeers. Maybe I can still get one from the haunted haberdashery, said Milo, trying to smooth over his friend's disappointment. Can't, said Rahul. Jesse Weathers got the last one. Yeah, said Davis. He was showing it off to everyone in first period. Good for Jesse, said Milo. Doesn't matter, because I had a better idea for a costume anyway. Milo reached into his backpack and pulled out his notepad. With a thin thwack, he flipped it open to the notes he made. Check it out. I'm a prisoner escapee. It's going to look great, and I'm going to use a trash bag to hold all my candy. Milo could tell Davis and Rahul were not impressed. Still, they looked over the drawings before coming right out with their feelings. After a second, Davis chimed in. I don't know. An escaped prisoner. Isn't that kind of generic? Yeah, said Rahul. You'll look more like a mechanic or car wash worker. No way, said Milo. I'm going to get tons of candy with this idea. Nah, I don't think so, said Davis. The three Husketeers would have gotten you way more, trust me. Maybe, said Milo. Or maybe people wouldn't have gotten the joke. How can you not get it, said Davis. It's three sword-fighting corn cobs. A hint of guilt crept through Milo. He knew he'd let his friends down. The only thing he could do now was to distract them with a disagreement. It's a common middle school tactic, built on the idea that it's better to argue about nothing than to say you're sorry for something. Triplet costumes get way less candy, Milo said. You'll get more without me. Davis looked at Rahul with an expression that said he didn't buy what Milo was selling. No way, said Davis. False said Rahul, who continued. Everyone knows triplets get a standard amount of candy per person, plus a bonus for synchronization efforts. No way, said Milo. When you show up as triplets, you get less because the person doesn't want to give away all their candy to one group. Really? said Davis. A hundred percent, said Milo, adding. I think I actually did you guys a favor. Davis leaned over and whispered something in Rahul's ear. Rahul smiled while nodding. Milo watched as Davis took a step in his direction, a symbolic gesture that Davis was speaking for the both of them. Care to put your candy theory to a bet? asked Davis. Milo swallowed hard. This was an unexpected statement. A bet? 
Milo wasn't the betting type, but he was also tired of being pushed around. He tried to find a confident stance, but his fingers twitched involuntarily, playing with the hem of his shirt. Um, what kind of bet? asked Milo. Milo felt Davis's hand come to a rest on his shoulder. How about this? Davis started. You go your way, and Rahul and I will go with Jesse as our third, and we'll just see who gets the most candy. What do you say? The three Husketeers versus you, a con man. I'm not going as a con man, said Milo. Davis smiled. So it's a bet, then? What if I lose? asked Milo, quickly correcting the statement with, I mean, what do I get when I win? Milo felt Rahul's hand on his free shoulder. If you get more candy as a single than we get as a triple, you win all our candy bags. But if any one of us gets more candy than you, then we get your candy bag. How will we even know that? asked Milo. What do you want to do, meet up Saturday morning and compare? Davis and Rahul looked at each other and then at Milo. Exactly, they both said at the same time. No one eats or adds candy to their bag till Saturday morning. We'll meet at Miller Park and compare halls. Winner or winners take all, Davis said, extending a hand towards Milo. Milo's eyes widened as the consequences of the challenge set in. A nervous knot formed in his stomach. He glanced around and saw the entire cafeteria had turned their attention toward his conversation. There would be no claims of misunderstanding the bet, and with so many witnesses, backing out wasn't an option either. No problem, said Milo, shaking Davis's hand. It'll be a piece of cake. The bell rung and the crowd dispersed. Milo sighed, wondering if he had just made a huge mistake. He could only hope that Halloween would be in his favor. If it wasn't, he'd be facing another year with no candy. That evening, Milo paced around his room, reflecting on the bet. On his bed, the motorbike coveralls had been repurposed into a prisoner escapee's outfit. Using a tool his mum referred to as a seam ripper, he'd removed the name patch and then had her sew it back on inside out. Then he wrote a prisoner number in permanent marker on it, 1031. Milo thought the ID number was rather clever and hoped someone would notice it. Approaching the mirror, Milo slicked back his hair until it rivaled Rahul's everyday do. He used his mother's makeup kit to add brown and black, mimicking dirt, and applied purplish hues for bruises. The reflection portrayed a character straight out of a gritty movie. It wasn't a face Milo recognized, but he liked how he looked. He imagined a future version of himself, tough and not just some corncob crime fighter. Trick-or-treating got off to a rocky start when Milo discovered his trash bag candy holder was impractical. It was too large and cumbersome. So he opted for an empty pillowcase grabbed from his bed. He pondered what happened to his old pillowcase, the one that was stolen last year. Was it now on some other kid's bed, or had it been discarded after the candy was removed? Milo curled the ends of the pillowcase around his fist, practicing a grip he believed would be unbreakable. Move swiftly, Milo coached himself going over his strategy. Look for opportunities to double-take and stay out as late as possible. I've got to prove them wrong, Milo thought. I've got to show the whole school I'm not an easy target. With his game plan in place, Milo was ready to rewrite the narrative from the previous Halloween. Let the games begin, said Milo as he left his room. Moments later, he was out the front door and into the grey of Halloween night. Milo sprinted across his front yard toward the sidewalk. The night air was cold and sharp with the promise of candy. 
Rambling down the sidewalks were groups of trick-or-treaters. Milo noticed many of the early candy seekers carried small pumpkin pails. The sight of the tiny plastic jack-o'-lanterns brought a smile to Milo's face. Amateurs, Milo remarked, having first-hand experience with the limited capacity of novelty candy buckets. He chuckled as he darted around witches and zombies. More for me, he declared. His plan was simple, even though he'd been refining it for nearly a year. Start with the hills, Milo reminded himself. Get to the bigger and more generous houses first. Then work your way to the outskirts, targeting neighborhoods who over-anticipated their visitor count and are eager to offload candy. As Milo made his way toward the hills, he glanced up at the moon. It hung high in the sky, casting its gaze upon the throngs of trick-or-treaters below. With his heart racing and his pillowcase billowing in the breeze, Milo pressed on in search of the good-to-have problem of too much candy. As Milo approached the first house, his pace slowed. He could feel his heart pounding like when he ran the mile for time. He felt a bead of sweat slide down his neck. Should he catch his breath before heading up the driveway? Or would his post-exercise appearance enhance his escaped prisoner look? He decided looking tired may get him sympathy candy. He glanced up the curved driveway. Two massive lion statues stood guard, their stone eyes glinting in the moon's light. They made Milo feel like he was approaching a castle, a castle that surely held lots of Halloween candy. The front door made a thick knocking sound when Milo pounded on it with his fist. A second later, it swung open. Trick or treat, Milo called out. The woman who answered looked Milo over. The look on her face became confused. A mechanic, are we? she asked, her gaze fixed on his coveralls. Milo blinked. Oh, um, no, I'm an escaped prisoner? Her eyebrow arched. Isn't that a tad generic? she said. Well, it's from a movie, said Milo, then quickly added, A school movie, history movie, I love history. Milo didn't love history, but he hoped the added educational value of his costume might play better with the lady. She managed a tight smile, and to Milo's disappointment dropped a single piece of candy into his pillowcase. Then the door closed. Milo huffed. Can you believe that? One lousy piece of candy. He made immediate mental changes to his trick-or-treat strategy. At the next house, whatever they think I'm dressed as, I'll just nod and say yes. People give more candy when they aren't contradicted. After the long walk down the driveway, Milo was relieved to see the next house was closer to the street, hiding just behind a group of trees. He walked up the short driveway, but as he turned the corner, his heart sank. In front of him stood a seemingly endless staircase, rising up to a house perched on a hill. Houses on hills, Milo grumbled. Why did I think trick-or-treating in the hills was a good idea? With determination, Milo started his climb. With each step, he was reminded of the time his family stayed at a hotel on the fifth floor, and the elevator was conveniently under repairs. He chuckled to himself, thinking of how much worse the climb would be with a suitcase in tow. Milo rang the doorbell, and a series of melodic tones echoed around the porch. After what seemed like ages, a sliver of light appeared as the door opened to reveal an old man with thin spectacles resting on the tip of the wearer's nose. Trick or treat, Milo announced. The man leaned in, squinting. What do we have here? The man said. Ah, you're supposed to work at a car wash, right? Milo grinned, playing along. That's right, I'm car washer number 1031, Milo said. The man chuckled and pointed at Milo's face. 
Well, Mr. Carwasher, you've missed a spot or two all over your face. Then from a bowl filled with candy, the man took one piece of candy and dropped it into Milo's pillowcase. Milo's heart deflated, but he smiled anyway. Gee, thanks, Milo murmured. As Milo made his way down the stairs, the lightness of his candy bag began to give him some heavy thoughts. If things didn't pick up, he was going to lose the bet. As Milo moved on from the staircased house, the night around him was quiet for All Hallows' Eve. There weren't many trick-or-treaters in sight. To be expected, thought Milo. Most kids preferred downtown, where the houses were closer together and the paths less steep. As he approached the next house, Milo wondered if he'd made a mistake in coming here. Dimly lit street lamps guided Milo down the road. The next house had a short driveway with no stairs. Milo's relief was short-lived because he also noticed there were no decorations. Are they even giving out candy, he wondered. Milo proceeded toward the front door, half expecting someone to yell at him to get lost. The house was dark and quiet, and Milo thought about turning back, but just then, something shiny by the door caught his eye. It was a big bowl filled with candy. Cautiously, Milo approached it. As he got closer, he spotted a note that said, Please take one piece. Happy Halloween. Oh, it's one of those honor system bowls, Milo said to himself. He'd remembered seeing a few of them last year. Milo grabbed a piece and then paused. He looked at the house. It was quiet. He looked at the windows. There was no movement inside. No one is home, said Milo. He looked toward the street. It, too, was as quiet as a Tuesday night in August. Milo thought back to last year when he'd gotten his bag snatched. He thought about being made fun of when kids at school found out about it. Now, looking at the bowl, he thought, I deserve more than just one piece. Milo plunged his hands into the honor system bowl and pulled from it a pile of candy. He poured the heap into his bag and then went back to the bowl one more time. Walking away, his pillowcase finally had some weight to it, but so did Milo's conscience. It's fine, he said to himself. They expect you to take more than a piece, and hey, at least I didn't take all of it, he said, trying to make himself feel better. With candy in his bag, Milo made his way from the dimly lit house looking for another score. A sparse fog rolled up from the town below, casting a thin veil over the hills. As Milo continued, he wondered... Did dark houses have a better candy yield than decorated ones where you might just get a single piece? Maybe. But darkened houses held their own risks. The residents might be out of candy, not participating in Halloween, or have some sort of guard dog. Just as Milo was convincing himself to stick to his original plan of visiting decorated houses, familiar chatter echoed from across the street. He squinted at the moving shapes— as the figures passed under a street lamp, their identities became clear. Davis, Rahul, and Jesse, all donning unmistakable matching corncob costumes. Oh, great, Milo muttered. The three Husketeers are here to steal all my candy. His gaze inevitably drifted to their bags, hefty with treats. His heart sank. They've got more than me, he said. How did they manage it? Is it the corncob charm, or are they just faster or pushier? Milo watched them from the shadows, a mix of envy and regret swirling within. He wished he had partnered with them and realized he'd made a mistake. Now the thought of them seeing him and his pitiful candy hall made him uneasy. Without a second thought, he slipped into the shadows and moved further down the street. 
Just a street away, a line of dark houses beckoned. Milo knew he couldn't waste time scouting only the well-lit and decorated ones, especially with Davis and Rahul so far ahead in the candy count. Dark houses were his new targets, places likely to have honor system bowls where he could level the playing field a fistful of candy at a time. This makes more sense, Milo thought. No knocking, no waiting, and definitely no explaining my costume. Milo stepped toward the first unlit house with a weary eagerness ripe inside, and sure enough by the doorstep he found another bowl brimming with candy. A note next to it read, Out for a bit, grab a couple pieces. Milo smirked, Well, a couple is what his teachers call a subjective term, meaning it was open to his own interpretation. Besides, if they were out just for a bit, they probably had plenty more candy to refill the bowl. He rationalized his next action, thinking about the previous house where he'd shown some restraint, but not this time. Milo fit his pillowcase opening around the edges of the bowl and then tipped it skyward. When candy began to flow into the opening, he wrapped his hands around either edge of the bowl and dumped the remainder into his bag. Now we're talking, said Milo, setting the empty bowl down. He hurried from the house back towards the street. As he was making his exit, two kids, a cheerleader and a pirate, walked up to him. Is there candy at this house? The pirate inquired. Nah, said Milo, looking back at the bowl. Someone beat us to it. The cheerleader groaned in disappointment, and the two continued on, clueless that the candy culprit had just made a clean getaway. After emptying several more bowls of candy, Milo was feeling confident about his chances of beating the three Husketeers. Then a thought occurred to him. What if they were using the same strategy? Maybe he wasn't in the lead at all. As time ticked away, he figured he should make the most of the remaining hours. Town, he decided. I'll sweep through the smaller houses and get their end-of-the-night candy dumps. Milo was worried Davis and Rahul might be thinking the same thing, so he knew he had to get there first. Milo took a side street shortcut that had no houses on it. It led out into a thick of woods where he chanced upon a group of trick-or-treaters gathered around an old mailbox. Milo approached quietly, keen on overhearing their discussion. I swear, said a kid in a sailor costume, this place gives out jumbo full-size candy bars. That can't be, claimed a ninja, pointing down an unlit dirt road. I don't even think there's a house down that creepy old road. Undeterred, the sailor continued, I'm not missing out on the candy jackpot. Now who's with me? Milo watched to see how many other kids would follow the sailor into the woods, but none did. Fine, said the sailor. That just means more for me. And with that, the sailor began down the old creepy road. But not ten feet into his march, a pair of large ravens emerged from the trees. Their noisy flaps and sharp caws cut through the air as they lunged at the sailor's candy stash. The boy screamed, rushing back to the group, and in a collective panic, the group of trick-or-treaters scattered back towards town. Once sure they'd left, Milo moved toward the mailbox, his thoughts racing. Jumbo candy bars could be his golden ticket, the thing that would put the nail in his friend's candy coffins and win him the bet. Yet the idea of venturing down that eerie road was daunting, especially alone. However, the potential shame of defeat loomed larger in Milo's mind. Taking a steady breath, he ventured forward. The road was lined with withered trees that appeared mournful. Their bare branches reached out like lost souls looking for help from passerbys. A few steps later, ravens burst from the trees, diving straight for Milo. 
their sharp talons aimed for his head and would have snagged his hair had it not been for the copious amounts of gel he'd used earlier. Their claws merely skimmed the surface, sliding right off his slicked-back hairdo. Shoo! Shoo! Milo yelled, waving his arms frantically. To his relief, the birds flapped away, cawing in annoyance. Milo took a moment to catch his breath. The encounter had shaken him, but his determination remained unbroken. Imagining himself as the victor of the night, Milo mustered the courage and continued on the path, with the tantalizing promise of full-size candy bars bolstering his spirits. Surely, he said, if there is candy down here, I'm the only one brave enough to get it. As Milo ventured further down the path, the trees overhead seemed to stretch out, their barren branches intertwining to create a canopy above. The sporadic moonbeams only occasionally broke through, spotlighting the path. Milo became uneasy and thought about turning back. Then, in the distance, he saw a distinct shimmer of light. Milo was sure it was the glimmer from a bowl filled with giant candy bars. This conclusion pushed him forward. But the deeper he went beneath the tree canopy, the more the surroundings changed. The cool night air shifted to a warmer, more humid feel. A delightful aroma, unmistakably that of rich chocolate, wafted through the air and lured Milo further into the woods. The wind began to murmur, and at first Milo brushed it off as the mere rustling of leaves. But the words grew clearer. Beware of the thief, it said. Beware of the thief. Milo immediately felt judged. His heart raced as he internally defended himself. Thief. I haven't stolen anything. It's not stealing if it's free. But the whispering persisted, now more pronounced. Beware of the thief. Milo scoffed thinking it must be a trick like speakers placed in the trees by an enthusiastic homeowner with a budget for special effects. It's all for fun, Milo told himself. Nice try, he said with a shaky voice. I'm not turning back, Milo muttered. Halloween owes me. Soon the path led him to an old log cabin, its time-worn facade hinting at many Halloweens past. A wooden porch sagged under the weight of time, bounded by an old wooden rail that may have been home to jack-o'-lanterns in previous years. Upon the porch, Milo saw a table, its wood worn and faded. Atop it, gleaming under the moonlight, was a candy bar. And Milo could tell right away this was no ordinary candy bar. It was colossal, almost three times the size of any Milo had ever seen. This was what had been glimmering in the moonlight, not a bowl, an enormous candy bar. His heart raced. The legends were true. The house with Halloween's jackpot existed, and Milo had found it. Opting to carry it as a symbol of his evening's triumph, Milo held the candy bar under his arm like an oversized school book. However, as he continued, the bar felt increasingly cumbersome, and he worried about his armpits melting it. Reluctantly, he placed it into his pillowcase, already envisioning his friend's astonished reactions. He was sure this prize would seal their fate and crown him king of trick or treat. Milo's pace quickened, the forest whispers fading behind him, his mind focused solely on getting home with his oversized reward for a night well played. Milo got home quickly, not stopping to trick or treat at other houses. The giant candy bar was too important now. He didn't want to risk losing it for some smaller candies. Without hesitation, he went straight to his room. His room looked like any other teenage boy's. Clothes strewn everywhere, posters on the walls, and action figures and unread books on the shelves. In the middle of the street-side wall was Milo's desk, cluttered with papers and half-finished art projects. 
Milo placed his candy bag on the desk and lifted the giant candy from inside it. It's huge, Milo said. He felt certain he was going to win. Winning wasn't just about the candy, it was about showing his friends he could make it through Halloween without being picked on. Milo's fingers lingered on the giant candy bar, tracing the intricate details of its wrapper. The design had a nostalgic feel, reminiscent of candy packaging from the mid-century. Bold, cursive letters spelling Spirit Candy Co. adorned the front. Around the edges, playful illustrations of stars danced between cloud doodles. It looked almost too special to open, but Milo wanted to taste it. He had to. He'd worked so hard for it. He remembered their agreement about not adding or subtracting from their candy haul. But there wasn't any rule against a small taste. The metallic wrapper crinkled under his touch, and Milo began to peel it back slowly, savouring the anticipation. As the rich, dark chocolate was exposed, an intoxicating aroma wafted up, turning his room into what he imagined a chocolate factory floor would smell like. The candy bar was too big to take a bite out of and too sturdy to break a piece from. How am I going to chip off a chunk of this chocolate? Milo wondered. Then he remembered the movie from Ms. Grierson's class, The Prisoners. Hadn't they used cafeteria forks to chip away chunks of their cell walls? I'm going to need a big fork, said Milo, heading downstairs. A moment later, he returned with just the right utensil, the turkey-serving fork his dad used to carve the Thanksgiving turkey every year. Milo positioned himself in front of the candy bar. He then shoved the fork into the edge of the candy bar and pried off a piece. It came off cleanly, falling onto Milo's desk. The taste was pure magic, deep velvety chocolate flavors combined with a hint of saltiness, and finally the soft melt-in-your-mouth sensation of caramel. Feeling good, Milo plopped onto his bed still in his costume. As he started falling asleep, he imagined showing off his candy to Davis and Rahul. Their faces will be priceless, he thought, smiling, but a loud stomach growl made him chuckle. Oops, forgot about dinner, he thought. But then, smirking, he added, Well, I guess a little more candy bar couldn't hurt. Don't want to go to bed on an empty stomach. Milo fell asleep to the soothing tasting of victory. Milo was dreaming about visiting a chocolate factory and riding on a river made of sweets when a noise jarred him from his slumber. What was that? Milo asked aloud. The sound, like a balloon being blown up, echoed in his room. He squinted. Everything in his room was as he left it. Must have been a dream, Milo mumbled, letting his head drop back onto his pillow. But then he heard it again. The noise jolted him to his senses. Additionally, he felt something odd. A warm, smooth pressure began to build at his side, pressing against him with the gentle but insistent force of a giant, scaleless snake. It pinned him against the wall. Milo's pulse quickened. What's happening? he exclaimed. Eyes wide, Milo stared in disbelief. His candy bar, once the size of a lunchbox, now loomed over him like an impending car crash. Panic surged through Milo. He pushed himself along the wall, moving towards the edge of his bed. As he leaned over the edge, he used his feet to shove himself away from the candy bar's massive form. Milo looked at the enormous hunk of chocolate. Its sheen moved slightly as the candy bar continued to grow. He stepped back, but it kept advancing, forcing him out into the hallway. In the hall, Milo noticed it was morning. His room had appeared dark because the expanding candy bar had blocked the light from his windows. Mom! Dad! Milo yelled, but there was no answer. He tried again, but then he remembered. 
It was Saturday and they were probably out at their weekly tennis game. The sound of splintering wood made him spin back toward his room. His door burst open, pushed by the ever-growing candy bar. The candy's mass was now blocking the only escape route downstairs, pushing Milo back toward the hallway bathroom. A glint of light caught his eye. The turkey fork was on the floor, about to be engulfed by chocolate. Milo leaned forward, grabbing the fork and stumbled back. Regaining his balance, he stepped into the bathroom and slammed the door. Don't come in here, he shouted, even though he realized he was talking to a candy bar. But he didn't care. That candy bar was trying to engulf him. Don't come in here or I'll... I'll stick a fork in you. The candy bar didn't listen. Milo could hear it pressing against the door. Moments later, it broke through, filling the entire doorframe. Milo swung the fork at the chocolate. It felt like being a lone musketeer making a stand against a d'Artagnan made of chocolate. Catching his reflection in the mirror, still dressed as a prisoner, he remembered the movie he'd seen at school. A brilliant idea struck him. I'll tunnel my way out just like in the movie. Milo approached the chocolate bar and plunged the fork into it. He pried off the outer shell and found a nougat and caramel center that was easier to scoop through. Chunks of candy bar flew in every direction as Milo began to carve a tunnel into the monstrous treat. Sweat dripped and his muscles screamed, but Milo didn't stop. Milo burrowed through the candy bar, trying his best to visualize his location within his home. This should be near my bedroom, he said, then made a decision to dig leftward. With each thrust and slice of his oversized fork, he felt akin to a prisoner carving an escape route from the world's most delectable jail. It wasn't long before, feeling as though he neared the epicenter of the candy bar's growth, the resistance lessened. Soon, the candy passage expanded, revealing a chamber. Its walls, crafted from glistening nougat and caramel, gleamed like nature's own stained glass. At the heart of the space, Milo's eyes landed on a familiar sight, his pillowcase filled with the previous night's candy collection. My Halloween candy, he blurted out, confusion evident. Why here? How? His gaze then caught a silhouette behind the candy stash. A girl about his age stood confidently, dressed in an outfit that was part park ranger, part prison guard. She looked both official and outlandish. A stark black hat crowned her head, bearing a white badge showcasing a skull. Her dark uniform was contrasted by a strikingly bright orange tie. Peculiar badges adorned her outfit. A witch's hat, a glowing jack-o'-lantern, and a solitary piece of candy. Her stance was serious, and her eyes looked like that of a teacher's about to discuss the results of a test. Questions swirled in Milo's head. Who was this girl? Why was she in this sugary sanctum? And most pressingly, why was she standing next to his candy? Before he could muster the courage to ask, she gestured for him to approach. Milo approached the girl, each step squishing on the nougat floor. As he got near, the girl eyed the pillowcase, bursting with candy. Milo swallowed. Who are you? What's happening? Why all this? Peeking from beneath her hat, the girl's eyes shimmered. I am the keeper of candy, she said with authority. You've been caught breaking the rules. Milo felt a tightness in his chest. What rules, he breathed out. It's just candy. Her eyes, once bright, now seemed stormy. Candy isn't just candy, she retorted. Your thoughtless act cursed this candy bar. Soon it will swallow you and then your whole town. It was for a bet, Milo admitted, voice quivering. I didn't know the rules, I was just trying to win. The girl scooped candy from the bag. Does this look like one piece to you, she challenged. Milo shook his head. The girl swept her foot, sending the pillowcase of candy sprawling. 
How about this? She pressed. Does this look like just a couple of pieces? No, Milo whispered. Look, I... I'm sorry. The girl's gaze drilled into him. You will be when your town drowns in chocolate. Milo's insides churned. Visions of his family and friends in a chocolate disaster clouded his mind. I messed up, he said. Look, I totally messed up. Take it all. Take my candy. I should have left some for everyone else anyway. Her stern face melted into a soft smile. Me and the keepers forgive you, she said. But you'll have to forfeit your candy. Milo looked at his sack of candy spilled on the floor. It was a lot, enough to win the bet, he was sure of it. But he had been rash, he had taken with reckless abandon, and now he had to pay for that mistake. Fine, said Milo, you can have it. The girl produced a dark parchment. Sign it, admitting your mistake and your candy will come with me, and so will the cursed bar. As Milo held the parchment, he looked up hesitantly. I was wrong, he said, I know I was. But maybe, as keeper of the candy, you can find it in your Halloween heart to grant me one request. If I sign this, can I keep just a little candy? Just enough so my friends don't think I got skunked on candy again. Please, he said. I got no Halloween candy last year. This was my year to redeem myself, and I messed it all up. Her gaze softened further. None last year, no candy at all. Milo shook his head. A small bag, that's all I ask. I don't want to be the joke of Halloween again. The keeper sighed. Confess your guilt, sign the contract, and rest assured, I never leave trick or treaters empty-handed. Milo signed the parchment, and the moment he did, the room transformed. The giant candy bar disappeared in a sugary haze, placing him back in his room. Everything seemed untouched, no damaged door, no candy bar remnants. Everything was back to normal, except his pillowcase full of candy was gone. His heart sank, but then he spotted an orange pail on his desk, brimming with miniature candy bars. They were wrapped just like the giant one was, but a twelfth the size. Not a king's ransom, but enough. Enough to salvage some pride this Halloween. Milo grabbed the pail filled with candy bars and headed to Miller Park. When he got there, he found Davis and Rahul sitting on a picnic table. He thought they'd be laughing and beaming with pride from what must have been a huge haul from Halloween night. However, they seemed upset. Trying to be discreet, Milo held his pail of candy bars behind his back. Maybe something happened. Maybe something went wrong. Maybe his pail of candy bars was enough to win. But he didn't want to come right out with it. He wanted to reveal he hadn't been skunked at just the right time. Hey guys, said Milo. How'd you do? That was the worst Halloween ever. Davis grumbled, rubbing his forehead. Rahul just nodded, looking equally disappointed. Puzzled, Milo ventured. Didn't get much candy. Davis sighed heavily. Oh, we got loads, Rahul added. Tons, actually. Confused, Milo pushed. So where is it? Both boys looked despondent. Gone, Davis muttered. Rahul took out a note, reading aloud. Turn over every rock and every tree leaf, but your hall now belongs to the candy bar thief. Then Davis held up something. It was a small candy bar, identical to the ones behind Milo's back in his orange pail. Rahul held up his note and a small candy bar with it. I got robbed too, he said. Early this morning I went to get my bag and it was just gone, and in its place was this note and one candy bar. So you guys got skunked? Milo asked, wondering if he should reveal his pail of candy bars. Not just us, said Davis. Everyone did. The whole town. It's like someone signed over everyone's Halloween candy. 
Then Davis and Rahul looked at Milo. Wait, why are you asking? Didn't the same thing happen to you? Wasn't your candy stolen? Milo stammered and shifted awkwardly. The pail behind his back suddenly felt very heavy. Yeah, he said. Mine got taken too. Suspicion bloomed in Davis and Rahul's eyes. Then what's behind your back, Milo? Nothing, said Milo. Nothing at all. Show us, said Davis. Yeah, show us, said Rahul, getting up from the table. Milo hesitated, but then produced the pail of candy bars. I can't believe it. You're the thief, Davis shouted. No, I'm not, said Milo. Yes, you are, said Rahul. You're the thief. You have a bucket of the candy bars the thief has been leaving as their calling card. No, said Milo. I promise I'm not. Feeling cornered, Milo began to recount his extraordinary tale. He left out the part about the contract, the part about him not reading it, and signing over the town's entire candy to some thief who must have been pretending to be the keeper of candy. Davis and Rahul didn't buy any of it. They threw their arms up and demanded Milo give back the town's candy. The argument was reaching fever pitch when two men in sharp black suits interrupted the brewing confrontation. One showed Milo a photo. Have you seen this girl? He inquired. Milo looked at the photo. He couldn't believe it. It was the girl from last night, the park ranger prison guard girl. That's the candy keeper, Milo said. The agent's voice turned grave. There's no such thing as a candy keeper, the agent said. Then the agents produced a dark piece of parchment. Did you sign this? Milo wanted to say no. He wanted to deny the whole thing had ever happened, but he couldn't. Yes, said Milo, looking at his signature. The agent on the left reached into his suit pocket and pulled out a card. If your town ever wants to taste candy again, call this number. He's the only one who can void the contract you've signed. Milo looked at the card. Mr. Erie's disturbing detective agency. I'll call, said Milo. What do I say? Just read them this. The right-hand agent handed Milo a folio, and in that folio was this. The account of how one Milo Fuller, in response to getting his bag snatched last year, got everyone's bag snatched this year. As far as Halloween goes, Milo Fuller only knew tricks, and with Mr. Erie's card in hand, he hoped someday soon he would finally get the treats. Thank you for entering the report of your Halloween encounter into our eerie archives. Halloween is in many ways a day of trying to stand out while simultaneously attempting to fit in. Finding a unique costume that's still recognizable to others can be challenging. This conundrum is not unlike the journey of growing up. Seeking to fit into a group without losing your distinct identity is no easy task. In our pursuit of distinction, sometimes we find ourselves in the company of imposters. In your case, you met Fran Dandy, also known as the Candy Bar Thief. Her innovative methods of amassing copious amounts of candy have quickly become the stuff of legends. Think about it. Constructing a secluded cabin in the woods, propagating rumors, enchanting candy bars, and ensuring the right person discovers it. It's hard to be upset with such a level of dedication to candy thievery. However, you did inadvertently sign a contract with Fran Dandy, permitting her to take your entire town's candy stash indefinitely. Luckily, we here at the Disturbing Detective Agency have an experimental method for voiding the contract. 
Truth be told, it's only been tried once. In Hatchford Heights, something similar happened, and we were able to remedy the situation with this. Next Halloween, you will organize a treat or trick, or what some agents are now calling the reverse trick or treat. You and everyone whose candy was stolen must go door to door giving candy instead of taking it. For every house that accepts your gesture of goodwill, a clause of the contract fades. Please report back on your level of success with this initiative. We are eager to enter its outcome into the empty book of everything. Wishing you the right amount of candy, Mr. Edward Erie, Chief Uncover Near, Mr. Erie's disturbing detective agency. And while that concludes another message from Mr. Erie's mystery series, it's not the end of our appointment. If you've enjoyed this message and would like to keep independent detective agencies like ours happy and haunt-free, please leave a rating or review and share this show with everyone you know. If you are ready to take a deeper step into the world of Mr. Erie, consider becoming an Erie enlistee. Subscribers will be assigned at least two exclusive training episodes a month taken directly from the hard-to-keep-on-shelves field guide entitled Mr. Erie's Empty Book of Everything. Get ready for a roller coaster ride of sips and surprises that will leave you thirsty for more. Your career at the disturbing detective agency awaits. Accept the challenge today by subscribing as an Erie enlistee in the Apple Podcasting app. Your support is more valuable than you know and would mean the world to our agents. Thank you for listening, and as always, we wish you an undisturbing day.